You're listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to be talking about all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenters, the famous Holly and Ollie. So that's Holly Shackleton from Speciality Food Magazine and Ollie Lloyd from Great British Chefs. Hi Ollie, uh, we're, we're never happier, are we? And we've got... I mean, there's hardly any room on the studio table. We need a bigger table. There's only one. <laughs> no, I was thinking if, about No, if we have a bigger table, it means there'll be people will be able to bring more food. Yes, and, and drink. And, and the we had those that... chicken tikkas the other day. Do you remember those? Those mm. were great. Oh, those are really good. Yeah. Um, uh, we've, but this table is particularly jam-packed today. It's full of glasses and, and there's like, um, you know, like a Tupperware things and, and hot drinks and beers and so. Microphones. Microphones, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm very, very excited about that. Um, Holly, um, you you like a bit of beer, don't you? I do like a bit of beer. Mm. I also like a bit of food. So, do you know what happy. food goes with what beer? Uh, well, I sometimes like to think that I do, but I uh-huh. definitely do with being educated. All right, well, we're going to really test you uh, today. So, our guests are Lottie Peplo of the Brewers Association. Hi, Lottie, and you're very generously bought all this in, haven't you? I certainly have. Yes, I don't know I'm, how. Did you? Sorry. I'm going to show you a thing oh. or two about beer and food pairing. I hope. Oh, Johnny, good. I'm Here we that. go. And um, Andrew Diprose of Root Wave. Now, you're doing some amazing things. I don't think we've ever had anything like this on the show. He hasn't brought anything with him, though, has he? Well, he can't, no, really. I know, I know. And so I'm not going to reveal what no. it is. So in about He's 20 minutes nothing, or so... Though. No, uh, I'm afraid. No. Um, Andrew's going to tell us some of the really incredible things he's doing. But first of all, um, Lottie, uh, beer. Um, craft beer? What, just tell me, the, first of all, the difference between craft beer and like normal beer, or is there no such thing? It's just a marketing term. In America, there's a difference because there is a proper definition. If you're a craft beer, you're small, independent and traditional. So it's very much the correct terminology in America. But in the UK, it's a bit more vague and woolly and we don't really have a definition over here in the UK. So you could call yourself a craft brewer even if you weren't doing anything craft-like. But but you couldn't in in America. Because of what, there's a legal requirement? No, it's not a legal requirement. It's a definition as defined by the Brewers Association, you have to be small, so producing under 6 million barrels of beer a year. You've got to be independent, so 75% owned by yourself, and you've got to use traditional ingredients. Uh-huh. So those are the three That's, that's, that's quite defined, actually, isn't yeah, it? 6 million defined. barrels of beer sounds yeah, like quite a lot. It's quite, it is quite a lot. It's quite a lot. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, America's a little bit bigger than, than but, ours. But, but owning the thing yourself is actually quite a good definition, isn't it? There's a yeah. independence is a massive issue in America at the moment. It's absolutely massive, and people really care about where their beer comes from. And so, last year, the Brewers, uh, Brewers Association introduced a new seal to differentiate independent beer from beers that have been bought by the the, the big multinational uh, beers uh, brewers. And it's this. It's a there's a symbol on this bottle of Port City Porter I'm holding up, and it's an upended bottle turned upside down with the word "independent" in it, and ah. that is that shows that it's made by an independent producer. And this has been adopted by over four thousand breweries now, which right. is a huge, uh, in, a in, huge in, success story. Independence has always been a problem for America, hasn't it? Oh, very funny. <laughs> yeah. I am half American. Oh, so, are you yeah. really? Yeah, I've got the blue passport. Oh. And I have a picture of Obama in my in my home. Yeah, yeah. So the Brewers Association um, is an organisation of brewers for brewers and by brewers, and there's more than four thousand six hundred odd brewery members in the US, and forty six thousand members of the American Home Brewers Association are are joined by members of the Allied Trade. So there'll be other people there, like 
you know, the sort of distributors and individuals. But the actual Brewers Association is for brewery members, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah um, and um, uh, your the sort of purpose uh, that they have is to promote, protect... I think that's a really good word. Protect the American craft brewing scene yeah, and their beers and, and the community of brewing yeah. enthusiasts. So that as a very big multinational, you can't wheedle your way in no, and try and pretend not. you're one of these. That's you know, on the exactly, face of it. That's exactly why this independent craft brewer, brewer seal has been introduced to stop the, the big multinationals pretending they own but, craft beer brands when they don't. And when they actually don't, yeah. Well, they do, but they, 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 yeah. they're not then they're not independent. Um, and your job is, is I mean, Holly has got a pretty bad job you know so no. yeah you hate your job don't you boo yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> and Ollie's not very nor have I but your job is even better than ours probably um, you are being tasked with um, trying to you know promote this over in the UK Absolutely. It's all about elevating the image of American craft beer in the, in the, in the UK and Europe and across the, across the world, basically. Talking about the Im- intensely high quality, the massive range of flavours, the diversity, the versatility, mm. how well it goes with beer and food. And there's just so much going for it. And yeah, it's not just about one brand. It's about the, the whole gamut oh, yeah. of American so, beer so, styles. So, because the funny thing in some ways is, is that, weirdly, I would say American beer has a very weird um, profile in the UK in the sense on one level, the sort of, you know, the, the what's the right phrase? Some of the well-known beers um, bear more resemblance from a flavour profile to cardboard or water um, and have, you know, really no, no, no place in, any, in anyone's world. Um, and then there's the, the sort of, you know, it, it's a story, it's two different stories, isn't it, which is mass-produced and then... Craft. Really, really and craft, craft and really kind of, but a really burgeoning craft scene, isn't it? I mean, absolutely. I mean, the, the craft beer industry in the in the US is just going crazy. Where do you, where's it most vibrant in the US? Is it is it the Portlands? Uh, is it no, the... it's Portland's are big. Colorado is a massive state. Is it, yeah. California is a massive state. Yes, Portland, Oregon, that sort of area. I think the biggest is around about in Colorado. Is it? Um, there's some good stuff. So, so I went to um, California and, and Washington State. Um, the beginning of this year and um i could not believe that you could go in to to somewhere sort of a bar not not quite a bar and you could have the most outrageous choice of beers I mean, I hundreds, it's, hundreds and hundreds. It's insane. And they'd all be lined up, most of them being cans actually, which I was quite shocked by. Uh not on, on not not draft or anything like that. And the people behind the bar would would literally like a like a wine sommelier almost say, "What is it that you like? What, you know, what provenance do you like? What how does this? What flavor flavor profile? How strong do you want it?" And these guys would absolutely know all of those beers and then choose you something really amazing. And I completely changed my view of beer. Uh, they're but, incredibly educated. Yeah, because I think here you go in and it's like Stella and there's, <laughs> I don't know, something awful and and you know going and have a half of that has never done it for me and it's just not nice particularly for me maybe um, you're not going to the right bar soon whereas whereas, <laughs> no. whereas as soon as i went to you know america i was thinking oh my god this is what beer means yeah. beer is all of these this things. is what it's all about but, but there is something that you know the, the major drinking i'm assuming is probably the, true the major drinking establishments in the uk remain pubs i mean that, that's probably where the volume remains and they they generally have quite traditional offerings but i think what's interesting is that is clearly changing them you know one walks into more and more pubs and they are they're seeing innovation both in the soft drink area of the world as well as the spirits end of the but world sure, but, but surely also. that's because they're tied 
to to a brewery. So so if you're going to be a pub landlord and and you can't afford the freehold, let, let's face it, who can? Then if you're going to rent it, you're going to rent it off a brewery, you know, something like Shepherd's Name, and they will force you to sell their not very good beer. Sorry, Shepherd's Name, but it's not it's not it's not my cup of tea. And 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 therefore it comes. You don't in, like it, tea either from the last. Oh yeah, show. That's right. <laughs> uh, but it becomes incredibly difficult to to then stock all these amazing choices. Yeah. And actually, where I am finding really incredible beers is if you go somewhere like Brixton Market. You've got all these pop-ups, all these box parks, and actually people are bringing amazing beers to those, and people are really enjoying them. Oh, it's it's a huge industry at the moment. I mean, in the UK, the, the kind of, for want of a better word, craft beer bubble has completely taken off, and mm. the, there are at least 2,000 breweries maybe over by now in the UK. Uh, so it's it's heading in a hugely upward tra- trajectory, and that compares with America, where, there, where we've just gone over 7,000 there's over wow. 7,000 uh, breweries. Which actually in, is an in interesting comparison. In we're at 2,000 and you're at 7,000. Population-wise, it's 320 million versus 60. So actually, you could more argue more that probably. we've actually got a great more. intensity yeah, of brewers. But we do. Than, we've always liked drinking. You see, I think the bit that we're, we're, which I'd be interested in talking about is the home brewing market, I've always thought was sort of more developed in America than, than here. Is Be- that true? Before we go on to that, which I think is a very good question, I've just got a graph here that, that um, um, I think is on the historical US brewery count. And it shows here that around about 1870s in America, there were, were just over 4,000 mm-hmm. uh, brewers. And then it steadily went down, steadily went down, 19... In the 1930s, obviously, with Prohibition, it was zero. Um, and, and then Legal it stayed one. very, very, very low. Come sort of 1986, just started to grow a bit more. 1999, still well below 2000. 2012, just about hitting 2000. And then all of a sudden, in five years, mm-hmm. you've now got, you know, 7,000 in America. It's exploded. It's incredible. Literally in that short amount yeah. of time. It is a total entrepreneurial success mm. story the craft brewing industry in America and, and going really back to Ollie's great. point did, is there this link between home brewing and craft brewing or is it, are they two separate things a lot of the uh, very successful uh, big brewers um, the, the big independent brewers uh, were home brewers to begin with for sure I mean a lot of people started out like that mm. um, so it does spore or just kind of morphs into a bigger thing but uh, home brewing yeah it's still a, it's still so I suppose that's the equivalent of starting on a kitchen table with a with a food product probably. it is isn't it but because because you know I mean the, you know, the numbers of two three percent of people in the UK claim to have tried to brew a beer at home which <laughs> is like? yeah I mean which is which is tight I mean I don't, don't know what the number is in the US but it's interesting what so what created that sudden uptick in the in the in the last five years why did it suddenly explode was there a change in regulation was there a change in taxation was there a change in i think it's just change cha- it's changing consumer tastes it's con- uh, beer lovers realizing or, or people realizing that beer has the most incredible flavors and it's, it's incredibly diverse and versatile there's a there's something so, for everybody so are they the migrating away from the from the mass-produced beers is that uh, uh, i mean yes, you're not creating so. a new market entirely are you people are migrating Yes, they're coming into craft for the first time, having possibly been been mainstream or mass-produced uh, beers. And then they're tasting something like a, a pale ale or a wonderfully hoppy, juicy IPA. And they're thinking, wow, and then they have this eureka moment and they realise that beer can be so much more than this, you know, bland, you know, Washing ersatz. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And... and a- are women um, taking to beer drinking? Yeah. Are you finding? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely. There's a there's a, a a growing number of women in the in the states. I mean, it's probably still more male dominated, but uh, 
But times are times are changing, and especially young women they're coming into the into the um, craft mm. beer world for the first time. So and so and, and wine being so incredibly alcoholic now, which it didn't used to be. So you can get a wine that's fifteen percent or something sometimes. Um, you know, drinking beer sometimes is, is 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 a wee bit you know easier if you're going to be out drinking all night. Well, and probably cheaper it, as well. America right. is very much a, a nation of beer lovers, though. Right. Uh, and beer, the whole the whole of the beer industry is worth about 111 billion dollars in America, compared to wine, which is a which is about 50 odd billion. So, hmm. beer is worth double the amount of wine. So, it's a, America is definitely a, a beer loving nation. You can tell that by the when you walk into any bar or any restaurant or diner, the beer menu is like as long yeah. as your arm, and then the food menu is equally long, and they're matching beer the and food. And everyone's also, drinking I, mean, I always remember going into a wine shop when I lived in New York and sort of being struck by how much more expensive the entry wines were versus the UK. So in the sense, in the UK, you know, let's take France, so let's take, you know, major, major, you know, because America is a major producer of wine. I mean, not obviously at the same level as France or of, um, of an Italy, um, but actually, I think wine there is relatively quite expensive. Whereas, you know, what's interesting about you know beers is they still only cost you know if you're going into a retail three pounds, quid, three four quid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas a bottle of wine, you know, is price wise, you know, north of that. Mm. Yeah, and, and and I know you're a beer sommelier. Talking of wine. Uh, is there such a thing? How, yeah, do you, there is such a thing. Yeah. Do you have to pass exams? What yes, do you have you to do? do? Have to pass you have to, how, how, what do you have to do? You have to be able to talk about a range of different styles of beer and identify what those styles are. So you talk about the flavour and the aroma and the mouthfeel. And you have to say, yes, this is a Pilsner or this is a, this is a Helles or you have to say this is an Imperial Stout or a Porter. And exactly the same as a wine sommelier, really. Yeah, it's a bit like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you have to, you just have to understand flavour and be able to describe the beer accurately, and then um, try and nail what what style it is. Sometimes it's not that easy, mm. uh, but uh, well, well, Holly in particular there. wanted a little bit of a lesson, didn't you? Yes, please. Yeah. So you <clears> wanted <throat> to learn about beer. Yeah. Can I we do a little right mini place. lesson, Lottie? Is that possible? Well, we could do. Well, shall we? Shall, yes, shall we try please, some beer please, now? Please, please. Excellent. Yes. Okay. But you need to talk us through it, and obviously okay. um, uh, we have to describe what we're doing because okay. on the radio. Um, um, I've got so a bottle got a of. Um, I've got a Port City Porter. That was me opening the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, Port City from those... Port City Brewing Company in is... Alexandra in Virginia. It's an incredibly well-regarded brewery. It's won loads of awards and loads of medals. Uh, this beer itself has won loads of medals. I always thought so Porter this is was Porter. Very, very London. It is. It oh, is. It is, it is it, a traditional it's London. History, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was started in, in the 1700s. I've got, I've got in... an extra point there, Holly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was. Uh, it was uh, started in um, in London in the 1700s for people for the guys you know carrying heavy loads around and they became they became known as porters and um, it's it's a very uh, yeah it's a very traditional style so but, so what we're going to do is stick st- stick our noses in here what you do is you have two uh, two short sniffs first <laughs> oh, I just went up my nose and you get, and you, then you take the beer away from your from your nose and then you bring it back and you have a really really deep sniff. No, like that, so you can really malty. get those 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 aromatic, lovely flavours getting hitting the back of your back of mm. your throat and the back of your nose. And, and it looks a porter being a very dark beer. It, it, it sort of looks like Guinness, doesn't it? It, it looks it, like it's, Guinness, but it's, it's almost black. It's, yeah, it obviously tastes completely different. But it's not. And, it, and, it, and it's got that very 
frothy, almost um, milky-coloured head on it. Yeah, that's all. And that's, that's normal exactly for a porter. But then all the flavours in here, you should be getting... Well, I'm getting... Don't forget, smell and taste is personal. It's absolutely personal. So you might not get what I'm getting, but I can smell chocolate, I can smell coffee, things like espresso coffee, I can smell porcini mushrooms, I can smell a soy sauce, kind of marmite, lots of savoury, umami kind of things going on. Uh, so it's a big, bold, nice, intense, really rich, toasty... Great. It's great for food matching. And I'm going to show but you Andrew's in a minute. Andrew's just laughing his head off there. You're not getting any of that, are you? I'm just are getting you? the beer. <laughs> He's get, you're oh. just, you know, I don't know why we invited you on the programme. So so for me, I can smell dark chocolate, you know, uh, uh, very much. And, and, and for me, it's quite malty. I've got that maltiness. See, I can get blackcurrant. Yeah, it's my, it's my shout. It's oh, my it's nose broken. No, no, that's no. a very good shout. I can get oh, that. There is definitely yeah. a bit of fruitiness. Yeah. I was having difficulty nailing it. Deep, deep berryness. Yeah. What about you? You're not a beer drinker. I am a beer drinker. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, okay, that's, so what, that, that's what do you a, think? I, I think the description is very good. I mean, it, it's such a um, it's such a big beer, oh, isn't it? Yeah. It's a really kind of mm. ballsy... You know. It's got great coffee base. It's, it's yeah. 7.2% as well, so just a, just a gentle start to the, uh, <laughs> to the, to the chat. Um, I, yeah, I associate this eating-wise, I mean, here, just put my neck, my neck out there, with, um, with oysters. I remember it drinking would a really. really well I remember drinking really? really. Yeah, I remember drinking a really good um, uh, beer like this with with some oysters in Canada. So, so what would you? Because this is such a heavy distinctive. I actually have always liked dark beers, so I, I do like um, porters. And for some reason, when I was pregnant about 105 years ago, I I absolutely desired. Porter or Mackerson or something like that, only a tiny bit, um, you know, during the week a couple of times. And some people said, oh, it's because you've got an iron deficiency or mm. something, and, and that maybe your body was craving that iron taste. A few hours before I was born, my mum went out for lunch and had half a pint of Guinness. Good old mum. So well it done, may mom. explain quite a lot. What's your mum's yeah. name? Heather. Well done, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> You're a chip off the old block, aren't you? I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why only half a pint? Um, well, well she told pregnant. me it was half a pint. It was <laughs> probably three. Three pints in a bag. <laughs> so what, if we, what are you suggesting now? You've so just come... I'm going to show you how well this beer goes with food. Right. And this is a dish inspired by a recipe, in fact, from um, the Brewers Association. Don't give it to Andrew, he's got executive. no taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> Brewers Association executive chef, chef Adam Doolay, is like a he's a, a world-renowned expert in beer and food matching. He's just written a book called The Beer Pantry, and this recipe comes from his book. And it's meatballs in a in a um, tomatoey type of sauce. Now, what you so what you do? You have the taste of the beer, then you have then you have the meatballs. That really goes well. It's so I would good. Never it's so good. Honestly, it's so good, isn't it? So what you've got in the meatballs mirrors and harmonizes was with what you've got in the beer. So I've put. Porcini mushroom, chorizo, parmesan, herbs, really strong flavour. So you're matching intensity with you know intensity. Well in that, Ollie? Do you remember when we had Willie from Willie's Cacao? Yeah. On? You know, he's bonkers, he's, isn't he? He's great. But he had that lovely chocolate stock that he used to make with oregano. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you drop one of those sort of tablets almost that he's made beautifully. And, and if you were to put that in there as well, that would really echo the porter. Mm. That's a really, it's a really nice combination. Can really. I have some more porter, please, Oh, oh. Mm. Hang on. That's, that, that's gone down a bit too well. 
See, I would, not, I would actually... What do you think to do this? I mean, if you like red wine, uh, this is exactly... I think, I, I think that's what I'm saying. I would never sort of dream of, of you should opening this. Red wine with. Whereas actually, I think that would go better than having a glass of red wine with that. Yeah, totally, totally. Because that, that meat, that richness of the meat and that all the flavours in the meat are just harmonising so well with the flavours in the beer. And it's and it's comparing and contrasting... Uh, comparing and complementing, sorry, with food. So um, it's a yeah, it's a it's a win-win situation. Have you not got some? No, I've oh, got already. Ate it. <laughs> he actually he had a straw. Do you know, so he's right. just eating the whole lot? Would you? What would you think about that? I'm I'm a bit worried about talking to you about food. This is. <laughs> but but seriously, what what would you think about those two um, together? Personally, I'm not really a beer drinker, but I can quite happily see myself having quite a lot of this with these meatballs at some point in the they future. Do, they just go so well, don't they? It's perfect. I think for me, that is bringing out the... It's bringing out the lovely flavour profile of the beer, but it's also it's really adding to the taste of the food. Yeah, exactly. Something. And which is why it's quite good to have beer alongside food, not necessarily in the recipe, because if you put it in the recipe, you just, you just burn it all off. You burn off the... Certainly burn off the alcohol, and if you're using a bitter beer, then you just in, enhance bitterness, which doesn't work. But if you have the beer... Along as an, an accompaniment, it's it's like just one big dish, but the the beer is in a glass, and the whole thing is just a, it, it works much better. But a, a porter like this porter, you could also put with uh, sweet dishes such as a chocolate dish, or a gatto, or or a mousse, or tiramisu, or coffee based mm. dish, or cheese. It'd be great with cheese. I'm not sure I could see that with cheese. Well, so we've certainly got recipes on our site that have um, stouts and, and similar mm. things with chocolate in them. And there's, you know, I mean, I think they, you know, you need a big flavour to hold that up. I mean, I've, it's so interesting because we don't, in the, you know, if you take the high-end restaurant world, you know, they just, actually, if you walk into a Michelin-style restaurant, you know, somewhere where there's, you know, incredible wine list, actually their beer selection will be very, very limited. And they might well have, they probably have more gins, I'm going to guess. That Which is, is kind of bonkers. Yeah, that it, it it is. It's slightly changing in the UK, but we've still got a long way to go. We're very behind the US, sadly, in our beer and food matching. I mean, they're so advanced over there; it's incredible. You go into any any bar, and there's the beer list at the beer and food. There are matches on the menu, and there's these incredible events. There's one that the Brewers Association do called Paired, and it uh, runs alongside the Great American Beer Festival in October in Denver, and it's when seventy uh, twenty six acclaimed and celebrated chefs and 26 brewers get together and they team up. Mm. So they make a little team and they produce about two special canopies each. And then people spend like $150 to come to this event and they go around and they taste all these beautiful beer and food pairings that you can't get anywhere else. And the beers are very rare and very sought after. And uh, it's it's an experience. And the passion on people's faces there is it's incredible. They're just, they talk about it and you can see them all going, you know, looking all, all excited and uh, desperate really excited more. about that. Actually. Well, I've got. There's more, Sue. You? There's more. Oh, you, okay. you wait for the next. Bit. Okay, right. You wait yeah, for do, the next. Do, do some okay. next bit. Okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm converted on that one. Holly, yeah, I am. I'm very, very happy with that. This is a very happy show today. <laughs> I think like... we're all quite mm. satisfied, aren't we? It's, there's Nearly. also a little bit of spice in those meatballs, mm. and somehow that just goes incredibly well because people that I know who who will have a very expensive red wine say so you shouldn't actually eat with a very expensive red wine because actually you can't then you can't then taste it. And it's, 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 you know what that winemaker was trying to do will get obliterated by you know what you're you know what you're eating um and i think you probably can you know find something that goes very well with some wine that just adds so much it just adds so much 
but I suppose it's so about... big in flavour. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of to use a bad analogy. It's like, does looking at an amazing picture require music? And actually, what is that analogy about? Well, in the sense that actually, look, you know, to have a great red wine, you shouldn't, you don't need anything yeah, with it. I mean, actually, you know, the whole idea of beer, and you know, you could argue that really, the perfect complement to food is water, so you can just purely appreciate the flavours the chef is giving you. And, you know, obviously, you're dealing with one sensation here, but what we're talking about here is is two taste profiles mm. playing together, and, and look, that's the experience. Yeah, and that's why, in some ways, it's kind of bonkers mm. the way we approach food and wine because they are both flavours and you need to kind of bring them together so moving on I'm really so pleased you joined us Uh, so what have you you've got some cans now now that now cans are being seen as okay oh cans are very much whereas they used to be definitely they used to be definitely not okay they've come on in leaps and bounds and they are the best well they are a very good format for uh for a storing beer because they're uh, recyclable there's no light that can get in there's no air that can get in uh they're Keeps easy cold to transport uh, the beer stays fresh so there's there are and you've got are they lighter? Full, they're they're, they are lighter yeah, as well so the transportation yeah 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 definitely because that's one of the questions is you know importing things from all over the world i just, the I just you games. just have to listen to this oh loving there that nice. <laughs> nice sound effect right now what we've got here is Scarborough's Modus Hopperandi. It's an IPA. Um, and where are they from? They're from Durango in Colorado. Are you uh, pleased you came, Andrew? Yes, I'm loving this. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. No, no, there you go. You thought you were here to talk about what you do and you haven't brought it. Sorry, sorry, Andrew. Sorry. Talk to you in a minute. Uh, IPAs are, um, I count for over a third of all craft beer sales in America. People in America love hops seriously yeah, well, you're gonna have to really work hard on this because holly and i are not Why? great hop you wait now drink, wait hop, you wait brewery you wait hoppy until, you wait beer drinkers you. are we so long as there's other stuff going on so it's not yeah. just pure unadulterated hoppy. hoppiness then yeah. i think i'll be okay so, so you're gonna have to persuade us to. okay right so do this again take your two sniffs take the beer away then do your one bit deep sniff then take a swig mm, smell all those hops that is juicy fruity <laughs> Oh, lovely so pine lovely. resin. Mm. That is fresh as a daisy as well. That's very is citrusy. Beautiful. Very. Citrusy. That is a yeah, citrus hops. Yeah, certainly. Be but I think if you don't I like it, you do. I do. But I think that's because I have learned to smell it first, and to do the two sniffs, and then the long sniff, and then then to then you appreciate it more. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and then see, the, yeah, the, the, the bear can release the I'm not keen on. It's, I think it, I think I mean I like. I, it's an acquired taste, though, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. it's not it's not something it's not a taste that we know. It you know it it, it, it you jars. You have to learn to you like it. You have to learn to like it. It's it's yeah. got a whiskey element to it for me, mm. which is which I mean I haven't I happen to like it because again it's it's got a lot of flavour to it. It's it's punchy. It's you know and I, and I enjoy it. You know, but I, I can I can understand why people don't like those kinds of beers. I think for me it's the aftertaste as well. You're getting bitterness. So once I kind of I've smelt it and I can and I I'm experiencing the other taste notes in there, then I can appreciate that. But when I'm left just with bitterness, I I struggle. Mm. Well, what you should do now is just a personal thing. I'm not saying it's not good beer, obviously. Try this with your carrot cake because it is the most incredible match. And you'll notice that the, the, the sweetness of, and the, car- the sweetness of the carrot will, will interplay with the sweet and malt notes in the in the beer, and then that that kind of 
herby bitterness and that spiciness from the from the hops will be totally rounded out by the uh, the sweet. The, so do you um, drink first or eat? Drink first, first drink, drink first. then eat, then, then drink eat. again. And it's yeah. such a, don't you think it's an absolutely lovely, it lovely match? Out. I mean, that, that long sort of, um, that slightly bitter aftertaste, which I think is part, you know, it's part of the flavour, um, is totally cut by that. Um, and also the carbonation in beer acts as a palate cleanser because it kind of scrubs your tongue. And especially with the this this icing is very high fat content and that will coat your palate possibly. And therefore, when you have a, a sip of IPA, it, it just lifts, it it lifts the, mm. all the fat from your palate so you're ready for the next mouthful. And again, this is a, a recipe from Adam from Adam Dooley. <laughs> you're looking at me very... Uh, no, no, no. It's just that Holly's got one of those looks <laughs> on her face which is like, oh, I'm in heaven again. Oh, yeah. good, good. It's just every every show. I'm a very happy girl. No, I was looking at Sue because I am convinced. Um, I'm not. Yeah, Sue is not convinced. You're not convinced, Sue? No. <gasps> have another mouthful. You haven't had enough. You haven't eaten enough. <laughs> I think I probably have. Um, it's, it's just it's just a personal taste, and I can appreciate how sophisticated it is. Actually, it's very it's, it's lovely. It's a lovely beer, but it's just not my taste profile. Maybe you should. Maybe you prefer that with a with a burger or a chicken dish no. or a. Vegetables. No. Um, it's just a personal taste. Yeah, I think that's. I, I. I. I get why certain people wouldn't like that kind of flavour. And I've really tried to. No, like no, no, my PAs. You've done really well. You've there are a lot of people well. that do like them. It's like, it's like you know, you 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 ate all your greens. <laughs> I've tried. You've really so tried. Hard. Tried really hard. Drink I, no, you've done really well. You've done really well. Have, have another glass. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, no, just no. No. Well, I think you're bucking the trend too because a lot of people do like IPAs and it's yeah, such... Yeah, I know. I in, a, in the States, it's, it's massively growing, massively, massively. Mm. And there's about... Uh, uh, there, are, there are literally over hundreds of hundreds, thousands of different um, IPA kind of yeah. recipes. You've been and, and hops. Um, I, I know we used to be famed for growing hops in the UK. And of course, you know, when there's a downturn in beer, all of those amazing sort of hops have all disappeared. Oh, no, we still, now, the UK still grows hops. Yeah, yeah, they do. But, but and, and, you know, there are lots of different varieties. But now people are having to source hops, you know, in, in the US because there's such a massive demand, which, oh, which is a good thing. And there is some massive flavour. I mean, the yeah, Cascade hop, which was first introduced, I think, about the 1980s, is... It's really cr created a whole new, mm. um, a new, new world basically, and there's there's loads of incredibly citrusy, tropical, fruity hops, on the, particularly mm. on the west coast of America, that are coming into beers like these IPAs, and people love them. Really, yeah. they love them. So, so, what's a pilsner? Sorry, sorry, Holly. A, a pilsner is a lager, German uh, and origin. In, so, so what's the difference what's between? The difference? They, they're made with different yeasts, okay. and that's and still hops. fermentation. Yeah. Still hops. See, I mean, Pilsner I'm fine with. Yeah, Pilsner doesn't have very much, very many hops in it. Mm. It doesn't have much bitterness either, whereas the IPA is absolutely chock-a-block Hop. with hops. Mm. Yeah. So you sound like you're, you're, le you're less, you like less bitter uh, beers. So maybe a very classy... I really do like the porters and... and, and yeah, but that's, um, not, that's not bitter. Because they, they, they're, just, they're so big on flavour, mm. I think, for me. You know, they really sort of hit you between the eyes and they're, they're just very big on flavour. And I think I like maltiness. That's that's yeah, one of my preferred, like you know, flavours. Yeah. Um, I've got another, I've got another um, pairing, which is... Oh, have you? Oh, blimey. Blimey. Just a little one. We do need to get to Andrew at okay. some point. Uh, Sorry, Andrew. Only, just keep going. Just Are you enjoying yourself? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> do this all day. Could you? Yeah. Okay. This isn't... You might like... You might well like this, either. It's not bitter. This is uh, our next one is a goza. It's a old 
German style, originated on the banks of the river goes in uh, Gosna near Leipzig. This is from Six Point, which is from uh, Brooklyn, New York. It's called Jammer. Yep. Um, it's very, quite new to the UK. By the way, you can get this in somewhere like Beers of Europe, as you can with the Porter. The uh, Scar Modus Operandi, you can get that in Marks and Spencer. So they're very prevalent these yeah, days. Yeah, and one of our favourite um, um, lovely uh, people that we know very well is um, Andrew Morgan of The Bottle Shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they've got a, an amazing selection. And I know Andrew more and more is, is going over to America to source things because yeah, he's right. finding the most astonishing uh, developments over oh, there and then yeah, bringing them back. Great. Yeah, he's a great advocate of mm. American craft beer and cold chain. So all, all the beer he brings over to the UK is mm. in reefers and kept very cold because beer needs to be kept cold too. Yeah. During transportation? Yeah, always, always. So Holly, sorry mm. I interrupted you earlier. Were you going to say something? Or just, I just, was going just to say, I was going to show off because I know one. I know the name of one hop and okay, that's, well that's Citra. Very good, Holly. Thank yes, you very, very much. Good. Top marks. Um, Sue, can you name another one? It's a quiz. <laughs> Hoppy hop. Is that a... Peter no. hop. <laughs> oh, no. Um, well, I was going to say that <clears throat> I think Citra, am I right in saying, I could well be wrong, that it's used in kind of IPAs yes, and beers like much. that. Yeah. But if I see that an IPA is made with Citra, because I know that there's so much other flavour going on um, because of that hop, like it is quite kind of fresh and fruity, I kind of know that I will like it rather than something that maybe doesn't use different hops and it is just has a kind of base note of bitterness and not a huge amount else that's a, that would be a very good reason to choose a beer if it's a citra hop is always going to be quite quite fruity and quite hoppy and have that kind of grapefruit slightly uh bitter note to mm. it but it, that's a, a citra is used a lot in ipas in particular yeah. in american ipa so you can't go far wrong with that just showing off there i know um <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm smelling this. I know I'm going to like this. Good. Um, it's got very. It's very citrus, sort of. It has got a bitterness, but I haven't tasted it yet. But yes. So yeah, I. Right. Yeah. I so like so this is. Um, as I say, it's a it's a goza, so it's quite low in alcohol as well. It's only four percent. I've it's, gone off it now. It's it it has a touch of sea salt. It's not it's not over, it's not assertive, but it's a oh, star that's salty, that's yeah. known for a little touch of salt and a touch of coriander. So it's quite zingy and tart and little little bit sour. Not 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 overtly sour. Ollie is making a very Ollie's strange face. face at me. Oh, I mean that's really that's really um, seawater. It's very other. I mean, it's really not a... It's a growing style. The the lighter styles, such as Goza, in America, they're, they're growing. People are looking for sessionable styles and ones that are... I have to do this. To, to, there are certain things in America that are growing that I don't want to appear. Okay, okay. okay you know, I mean, I say okay. this as someone who, who's extremely happy with the recent achievements, the Democratic Party in the House. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because the, the, what's interesting is about, you know, America versus Britain is there are different, you know, there are huge differences food-wise. In terms of you know what you know, and I think it's it, you know there are there's clearly similarities, but there are clearly differences in in the food interests of America versus the food interests of the UK. The way things are done in the UK, the way things are done in the, in, in the US. Obviously, craft beer is one of those ones where there's obviously a lot of similarities. But it's interesting. It'd be interesting to understand why why do you think this is popular in the US? Why what's 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 caught on with it's this? Oh, weird flavor? taste profile. It's popular because it's a lighter style, and you can you can drink several of them in one sitting. Um, it's it's popular also because people who are new to craft they're coming in and they're looking for the lighter styles that before they graduate to, you know, the hot bomb IPAs they're looking for something more sessionable. That's why, that's why I don't like it. That's because it brings back all those 
for me, this this reference is very interesting. This references the beers of America, and I have to. I like Brooklyn um, uh, Six Points. I remember I remember seeing them when I was in Brooklyn last, and I like some of their beers. But this is this one for me is is too similar to some of that kind of mainstream America. It, it's it's too light. It's too light for me. And again, this is all this stuff is hugely personal. As you said, flavor is incredibly personal. This one for me is is a very it, it, it's a it's a baby step beer for me. It, it it feels too close to some of the other stuff that I don't like in American beer. Holly, do you like baby step beer? I really do. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that you've just blown you out. The but water, what I would Ollie. say, I apologise. What I would say is Suffolk. that I'm, yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm still learning. We're like two hundred years behind everyone else. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to say is that it is a step up, obviously, from the kind of more mainstream stuff. And if I, I'm quite fussy about things, I like good quality things, and if if there's a familiar taste profile but it's being done well with quality ingredients and being made by someone who really knows what they're doing, then it's kind of, it's a step in the right direction. Totally. And there's, there's no question here about the, the, the way things are being done the right way. It's more a question of... I say the matching with the cheese is works brilliantly. Um, the matching with the cheese really it does really work. Yeah. But I, but but it's just for me as a beer, it's just <laughs> it's too familiar. It's too similar to that. But that that's why it's popular because it's, okay, it, yeah. it's people that are used to that kind of mainstream bland lager. It's their gateway beer into yeah. more interesting styles. And the reason I've matched it with uh, goat's cheese is because goat's cheese is very mild. It's like a kind of a blank canvas, and it really allows the salinity and the the coriander notes of the goza to come through and shine. And also, it cuts because when you eat the cheese, your palate kind of gets coated in that high fat content, and again, it strips all that off your palate, so you're you're ready to roll again. It's um it's very good technique. And a lot of these ideas have come also from uh, a lady called Julia Hertz who works with the Brewers Association. She's an absolute beer and food matching. Um, hero, Guru. yeah, totally. Andrew, hello. <laughs> you still awake? I'm still awake. I'm feeling a slight I'm feeling slightly, slightly, slightly drunk. I have to tell you. <laughs> um, so we, we it's in the morning. Me to help? No, I'm fine. So, so uh, any thoughts from you, or are you just just going to sit there and? Well, personally, if you're going to drink this kind of quality of beer, you want to jump in at deep end and go for the ones with the fuller flavour. So I'm with you. And uh, number. I think one, two, and three in preference order. So you like the porter? Same as it's you, yeah. It's big, isn't it? Very, very big. But, yeah. Yeah. But, the, but I think the point that you're making, though, Lottie, is that it's, it's, there's so much out there. There's something for everybody, yeah. literally. There's from, yeah. from the baby steps, you know, if, 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 if it's not your thing and you, you, you want an entry level and you want, to under, you know, you want to understand stuff, through to having the most enormous punch uh, in terms of flavour. Yeah, that is absolutely. And I could have bought a Pilsner, which you would have loved probably, but I just wanted to no, bring no. the... Uh, you could have bought IPA. 10 different bought types of Pilsners. Yeah. I mean, that, that, yes. the point That's in some ways point, is that yeah. what we're dealing with here is not just these are types of beer, and obviously there are hundreds of different profiles even within those types, and the same that white wine is not a descriptor, it's a category. Hmm. Yeah, totally. There's like uh, 157 different beer styles, Yeah, and there's all sorts of sub-styles within those <clears> styles. So there's there's a vast array of beer there really is if you if you don't i do refuse to believe anyone that says they don't like beer because there's because always there's one out there for you that, yeah but that comes back to our, our tea conversation the other week which is that actually you know the bottom line is a lot of these categories beer is a category 
have kind of ended up being sort of ruined by big, big, big business that give you a very monolithic taste profile. And, mm. and, and that's what's exciting. We really do have to move Let's on move to poor on. old Andrew who's sitting there. So, Andrew, um, uh, you've got a little bit of cheese in front of you, a bit of carrot cake. All, all of your meatballs have gone. All of the, uh, most of the beers are sort of finished. Um, It'll all be gone by the time I leave this room. I think it probably will. Um, what you're doing um, is couldn't be further away, I don't think, than craft beer. Um, it is um, completely nutty different. And, and it's to do with technology, it's to do with agriculture, it's to do with farming. Just explain exactly what you started to do. Okay, so uh, the company is called Rootwave, and the tagline effectively says it all. It's zap weeds with zero chemicals. And what we're looking to do is launch a scalable and sustainable alternative to herbicides. Um, herbicides are under increasing pressure recently for a, a number of key reasons. Um, you've got resistance, so weeds are becoming more and more naturally resistant to the use of herbicides, which means the encumbrant technology, the herbicide, is becoming less and less effective, uh, especially prevalent in countries where they overuse uh, herbicides, such as the Americas. Uh, the second issue is regulation, and I'm sure you followed that massive debate in the EU at the end of last year about whether or not to ban Roundup. Uh, it counts for 70% of the herbicide market. It's huge. Uh, and the EU was going to potentially ban it. And, and that would translate directly into increased food prices because farmers wouldn't be able to weed their fields at the costs that they're used to doing and the consumer would ultimately have to pay. And then the third uh, angle is litigation. And there was a recent announcement uh, from California that uh, a court awarded uh, a gentleman uh, nearly a quarter of a billion uh, US dollars um, for um, Roundup causing his skin cancer. Mm. So you bring all those factors together uh, and then the, um, it means the, the herbicide industry is under really a lot of pressure recently and the market is looking to move away. But what do you move to? There's nothing really scalable out there. And that's where electricity comes in, because we can be scalable, we can be cost comparable, we are organic and sustainable. And uh, if you're a farmer, the technology is no-till, which means you don't disturb the soil, which has a lot mm. of issues in terms of carbon emissions and soil erosion, etc. So so um, I, I, w I was born in the middle of inner-city London and never actually saw a blade of grass for, for donkey's ears or whatever. And, and so, you know, my natural... Um, sort of environment isn't in the country. I now do live in the country um, uh, and have for a little while. And, you know, I've had an allotment, which I know you, you'll find hugely amusing, I'm sure. But having an allotment suddenly made me understand about weeds and I'm growing my own vegetables and you've got children or people coming to visit. And I'm thinking, I do not want to put chemicals into that soil because I've suddenly worked out it means that somebody's going to be eating those chemicals at in essence. And if you watch like a courgette can grow literally within a week, <laughs> you know, huge, it must be absorbing that stuff. And yet I see loads of people with a roundup, which is, which is a, you, you know, you can you get a sort of a, a gun, you know, in a, in a sort of, uh, and you can go around, you can spray all these, you know, these chemicals around, you can use slug pellets. And, you can, and, and the thing for me that strikes me is, well, that's all great and your weeds are going to disappear, but those will then go into the ground and the roots are there and you're growing carrots or you're growing onions or whatever it is, and those roots are then sucking that stuff up. And it became incredibly apparent to me by doing that that actually on a large scale, a farmer can't weed by hand like I would on my allotments, get rid of weeds, 
they have to resort to something that's going to sort sort it for them. It's impossible to do by hand. It's you know, it, well, some it's not commercially viable. Well, good good for them because it's it's incredibly hard, and and it's like the plastic debate. We can say right, I'm not going to have plastic anymore. Oh, there isn't an alternative, and and so what you're trying to do is say, I guess a lot of farmers want to have an alternative, but actually they can't find one. Exactly that, and we have that alternative. Um, the EU Commission. Um, supports our technology and actually gave us a large grant uh, a, a couple of years ago to create this automated agricultural product because you're right, you know, the farmers that do uh, pick weeds by hand are very limited because it doesn't make much business sense. Uh, so how do you scale it up uh, to conventional farming where you're you know, farming over multiple or hundreds of hectares? Because people have to want have cheap a machine. food, so, so you've got to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And one point about your allotment, I mean, even if you chose to do it the hard way and do it by hand or mechanically, if you're neighbouring allotment, people are spraying in chemicals. That's part of the issue. Those will be absorbed by your, um, your vegetables, even though you made that choice to go organic. And, and that's happening on, on the field scale. So I really love the fact that people chuck stuff down a drain and think, oh, well, that's out of sight and out of mind. No, 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 it's, you're just, you know, that is now being absorbed into in, into the land. Where, you know, where do people think it goes? I don't know, because they don't see it. I just sort of... Into the food chain. And um, I think we've all got glyphosate roundup in us. There's so many studies out there saying that, I don't know the exact percentages, but we, we generally the general population does have um, that amount of um, roundup inside us, which is worrying because we didn't necessarily choose. No. That. Do you think? Do you think that, and all sorts of other things is the growth of, of food allergies, um, Ollie. I know we had Michelle on last week, you know, free from, but actually we're all sitting here and probably over the last 50, 60 years, people haven't really realised that we're absorbing plastic and we're absorbing chemicals and we're, you know, be, and, and, and just with no choice. No, and I think what's interesting is that people are beginning to push back on that. And look, you know, your example of the kind of the farmer who picks everything by hand is admirable. But the difficulty is, as I was talking to the NFU the other day, is that actually, you know, there is the challenge of both available food and premium food. And, you know, the fact is, yes, you know, there are those of those people who can choose to have the, the, the metaphorical 20-pound chicken, but not everyone can. And, you know, and ultimately what, what, what I suppose was interesting about what you're trying to address is a scalable solution that actually can help cut chemicals out without it being kind of a premium product essentially exactly we want the farmer to make a decision based on money effectively not the environmental side of things so how does your product work just so you hmm, kind of you know because you didn't you didn't actually bring it with you so so and we it's weird that, take, isn't it? I don't, yeah i mean i thought we we're gonna get well we've had this beer we've had food and and, and yeah. no weed killers we'll have to come to a field yeah okay. leave center of london yeah <laughs> um so it's relatively simple it's um electricity and it requires precision ag, so you, you touch the weed, uh, and that creates a circuit, and there's two modes of action. You've got some high voltage that bursts the cells, so there you go, pop, 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 um, and then you've got the current that flows through afterwards, and that turns the moisture into steam. So you've got two modes of action that kills the, the weed, and because it's a circuit, then it goes below the surface into the root structure, uh, and that's a key differentiator from our so, technology to others. So, okay, so so what's happening? Okay, so so you've you boil the weed. Right, and so are people walking around touching these weeds with, with, with sort of lightsabers or is this kind of, you know, what, what's, what's the sort of, how, how's this working? I'm trying to get a picture in my head because um, you didn't bring it with you. So it depends on 
on who you are. So right. if you're a professional gardener, you will have a professional hand lance to do uh, spot weeding and invasive weeds in your a hand lance. This sounds oh, very dark Vader. It does. So they come in different colours. Not quite the emperor, where you've got yeah. sparks out of your tips. That's that's two point zero. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we recognize that's not the scalable answer. So in agriculture, we're effectively putting on a machine that's pulled by a tractor uh, and that goes through your fields. It has cameras to spot what's a weed and what's a crop. Wow. And then use that's precision ag to touch that weed uh, with our lightsaber uh, to zap it. And when it's touched, so I've got a happy growing weed and then... It's instant. It You're instantly does dead. It come, does it come back, Andrew? Does it regrow? Uh, no, so it, it dies. You obviously got um, seeds in the soil, so you can't really ever get rid of weeds. It's great for us. It's always a market that's going to be there. Um, so there'll be new weeds uh, later that season or next year, but the weed you touch will die. Um, yeah, pretty effective. Very clever. That's amazing, isn't it, Holly? It really is. You're it's, a bit nonplussed, aren't you? So, so for me, it's like, right, everybody needs to know about what you're doing, Andrew, and the whole of the country needs to just come to you and like, let us just do that now. But is there, is, is this, so do you, do you believe that, has, you know, so Sue's got her allotment uh, and she's got her friends who, who are on the next door neighbour's allotment who are spraying everything with chemicals, so Sue's activities are, broadly speaking, um, pointless, to use your, your, your description of what's going on. Do you kind of imagine this having an application in the domestic market as well? Uh, hugely. So we are working with an extremely large company to create a mass-produced hand lance, uh, and you'll be able to buy that in your B&Q for about 150 euros or something like that. Uh, that will allow you to to weed your back gardens, your allotments, whatever it may be. Wow. And when, so when 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 can Sue start using this? <laughs> um, so. When can we don't have you back? When this, you, when you, but roughly when, when 2021 you... for the consumer hand lance, but don't hold me to that. 2021. Okay. So I, I don't know if you know this, um, but, but um, Andrew was at the Food Bite Awards, Food Bite being B-Y-T-E-S, um, and he won the Judges' Choice Award because it was just so impressive. And um, Food Bite Awards are by Rubber Bank who, who, who really try and help um, the, the sort of food tech sector, as it were. And I think everybody there was just saying that the potential of the technology um, uh, without using chemicals is, is just massive for agriculture and farming. And I think my issue with somebody like Andrew and his company is it's so good. How do we how do we help somebody like Andrew's company grow and get to the right you know place so that this can become the norm? You know that's the, that's the thing. So what 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 holds you back? Um, well, this kind of shows great market awareness, having people understand the technology and the potential and getting behind it is, is all I can ask. Um, in terms of what's holding me back, it's a very big check. Um, and that allows us to actually deliver all our opportunities we've got. Um, but I'm not looking for investors around this table unless you've got deep pockets. Ollie's got loads of money. He's got a house <laughs> full of products that he can so, sell, yeah. probably. So, 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 so you're 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 looking. So you're looking for investment in order to scale, and that's what the Food Bites um, event was about. It's for companies looking for investors pitching to uh, the ag tech and uh, ag food community. So that's what this that was about. And how patentable? I mean, look, you know, on one level, you know, as a someone who cares about the environment, you know, the fact if this isn't patentable, on one level, great. Let's hope someone does this at massive scale. But have you have you cornered a market here? Is there something about your I keep using the word lightsaber, you've used the word wand, um, that actually makes it, you know, that you've got a patent on something that is ownable. Yeah, and that's uh, uh, very valuable for our company. So the actual fundamental use of electricity to kill weeds, uh, 
was patented about 100 years ago. It was the first use was a train and um, a train and are clearing weeds on the railway tracks. Now, it didn't go anywhere for 100 years because uh, chemicals were cheap, abundant, easy to apply. No one knew about any potential health or environmental risks. So why wouldn't you choose that? I think we will, all those rational people would have, have chosen the same. And it's only recently with all these impacts coming out that people are starting to look at it again. Um, in terms of our IP, what we've uh, done is protected a, a key area of the market, which is a safe use of electricity. So by using some magic, uh, we can uh, mitigate any risks of a shock to a human or an animal, uh, and you still uh, can kill the weed. Uh, and so that allows us to enter the domestic market, because obviously you wouldn't want to give a, a lightsaber to anyone. It has to be Particularly a, a lightsaber with my, safety. My, my son would be super excited <laughs> about this. I could see him running around killing all sorts of things. Like, no, no, no. Mm. Leave Flash alone. Well, it's um, it's absolutely phenomenal. We're supposed to have a program that's 30, 40 minutes long, and we're now nearly nearing an hour. So I'm really sorry. Well, that's because someone turned up with lots of beer and food. Like, well, you're not <laughs> expecting it to run to time, are you? Oh, and also, Andrew's stuff yeah. is incredible. So, so please, 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 if you do have a big checkbook, um, please can get hold of Andrew Andrew Dipros, and it's rootwave.com. Um, but more importantly, just loads of support and and um, promotion and um, you know profiles. I think to just just to really you know explain that we've got to stop putting chemicals in the soil. Thank you. And down the watercourse and drains and things. Um, quite important. If you had pots of money, would you invest, Holly? I would. <clears throat> I really would. It's important, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely. Really important development. Do we have time for me to make one point about Go on then, quick. farm shop? So obviously, <laughs> sorry, farm shops read. <clears throat> well, farm shops read um, speciality food, and I think look, people go to farm shops to get products which they think probably organic because they've been grown in the field right next to the shop. But actually, that's not necessarily the case. Probably not often the case. So I think this kind of thing, you know, you think it's just for purely kind of industrial scale agriculture but actually it you know it's suitable for all um, for everybody and it does yeah for, for everybody and it does kind of relate back to food and what we're eating and as well and, and you know the, the big thing is over time what we want is a technology that facilitates the cheap production of organic food so hopefully yeah. you'll be able to yeah. go into your supermarket and your organic lettuce or whatever it may be won't be twice the price of your conventional farmed lettuce yeah which is a real which is a real aim because ollie's point of you know i can choose to eat well because i've got money is is is, is not where we want to be well, it needs to be everybody's yeah. uh, option it's very exciting it's it is very exciting. exciting so um that's andrew dipros um please go on to rootwave.com and find out more about it um and we'll we'll put a profile of andrew and and links to the website as well just to make sure that we make you into a hero that you are and um, thank you so much to Lottie Peplow Brewers Association and again if you go on to brewersassociation.org loads of information there isn't there yeah. Lottie and, and we're, not, we're, not, we're not trying to get competitive here but I think Lottie has won the award for the most impressive display in a radio show of three different beers and matching food that we've had so Do you know what it's like for me it's like your mum's come along to look after you and cook you stuff and teach you things and I feel, I feel we, very but, looked but, but, after. but we have we, we've set a new benchmark so if you are a future guest I just want to look no this, this is this is now what we, we're bribe, getting a bigger table bribery, I can always Ollie. come back I have plenty more beer you could try awesome that's, that's bribery Ollie no, um, I'm just telling the benchmark you've been listening <laughs> I have to, I really do have to wrap up now you've been listening to the food talk show uh, which is syndicated dozens of radio stations um, you can also download our weekly podcast from iTunes Spotify and the podcast app on your phone as well as the wonderful Great British Chefs website. I'm hoping Holly's going to write something about um, mm. 
Andrew, at some point yes, in please. Speciality Food magazine because it's a really important point. It really, uh, really is. Yeah. <coughs> really really interesting. interesting. Very, very interesting indeed. So thank you uh, for joining us, Holly. If you want to recommend any future guests, especially somebody doing something incredible, actually, like Andrew, um, or anybody that, that's like your mum who's going to come along and cook us stuff and <laughs> teach us things, uh, like Lottie, please please do get in touch via Twitter. That's at Food Talk Show. If you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, go to foodtalk.com. Co.uk. I think I might have another glass of porter. So um, thank you very much and have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>